0: Hello and welcome to episode 278 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. I'm Angel. I am Kevin. And this episode's title, um, we might actually owe an apology for this one, because normally we pick the title when we prep the episode and we, you know, see what topics we have, but two weeks ago, literally the day we recorded our last episode, we thought of the funny pun for this one, which the title is Curb Your Enthusiasm, and the idea was, you know, we have impressions of Kirby in the Forgotten Land, which Angel and I have some different opinions on i suspect so that could fit for that but then somehow the curbing of enthusiasm seemed to dictate the actual news cycle like all the positivity of kirby's release was followed up with zelda being delayed and then e3 getting canceled for this year and it's just like multiple bummers that i swear we're not responsible for but maybe we also kind of are so um apologies that we sort of sent that into the universe but either way that's now what we're talking about this episode um Time for all of which are on roundtown.com, along with another topic we have in store. Angel has a mystery game he wanted to share impressions of that he refused Ooh, to tell us before. Yeah, you, even just bringing it up started. now
1: is already going to disappoint everybody, so you probably just shouldn't have said anything. So, wh-
0: why, why, Angel? Why is there so much like mystique here? What's. No,
1: you're adding the mystique. I just wanted to say that he's going to bring this game up, and you're like, cool. And that would have been it. Also, yeah, uh, stay tuned for random noun for some impressions on Curb Your Enthusiasm.
0: So, yeah, Assuming we have random Nintendo anytime in the near future, we'll, we'll yes. get to Well, the, I mean, the point? Ju- just the next yes. time we have them. <laughs> it doesn't
1: have to be the... Yes.
0: Yeah. Stay tuned in a definite amount of time. Yes. We're, we're taking the, um, enthusiasm, the approach. Know, yeah. We're taking the approach, uh, yeah, that Kirby enthusiasm takes. It comes out when it comes out. Like, he doesn't have a set schedule for his seasons. He just does it when he wants. Um, yeah, okay, fine. So if your game's not that exciting, let's, let's just start off with what we're playing. Let's start with Yeah, it really isn't. And, and that's start...
1: kind of the central... Conversation around the game.
0: But. All right. Well, before we get to that, let's leave the suspense and make it more hyped up than it is. Let's start with Kirby because that's the namesake. If that's cool with you, because um, yeah, I feel allow like it. I feel like in what? Yeah, you allow it. Okay, yeah. thank you, thank you. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> but as I say, I feel like in the case of Kirby, like I haven't been playing it. As much as I've been like I know it sounds cheesy, but really like experiencing it. Like it's all over my life. It's taken over life. It's strange, like beyond just a video game. Because, you know, he's standing guard at Target's in the form of those like slip covers over their big red balls they put in front of the store. He won a Grammy last weekend. And most importantly, I met him, five of him, at Universal City Walk the other week. Which by the way, you guys were invited to and you also could have met five Kirby's. We could have each had one point six seven Kirby's of our own. But you didn't go.
1: Unless there's like ten of them, I am not interested. After playing Kirby Math Attack, I, I want to meet the whole the, the whole Kirby. You need aisle. you need bulk
0: bulk shipments yeah. of Kirby's. So sent seven your isn't way. enough. No.
1: no.
0: I mean, the event was kind of yeah. cool. Though. Is like, Kirby, it was, his own unique hmm. person. Is he a race? He is supposed to be Kirby a is, single entity.
1: Yeah, Kirby is a that like that's his well, its name. Um. Yeah, I guess they call them little Star Warriors. It's implied that Meta Knight is a whatever Kirby is.
0: And if you take off Meta Knight's mask, he's kind of just a uh, dark blue Kirby.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha.
0: So, yeah, so, that confused me when uh, when you said I met five of him. Well, there were multiple. At the, that's the thing. So the, the, this event, like, it was like it's a Kirby event, but they had all these repeating... Kirby. So basically like what they did is they made this like walkthrough photo experience. They called it a three D walkthrough where they had all these life size statues or maybe larger than life. I think Kirby's smaller than they made him. But um life size statues of oh, Kirby yeah, in two inches materials. tall or something. Yeah, and these are like two feet. So I guess it's not really life size larger than life, like bigger than you can imagine. Right. Uh statues of Kirby in various power up states. Um so there there was like a car a full size like car Kirby, which, you know, was just everything you'd want it to be, except you can't actually drive it. Uh, and there are also like statues of like Hammer Kirby and Sword Kirby and Cutter Kirby and they had like this jailed waddle D and a statue of his new uh of Kirby's new sidekick from the game, uh Elf I don't even remember the name, El or something like that. Um wow. and you could go like station to station. I mean let's be honest, when we get to Impressions of Forgotten Land, like Elfalan had so far about of half the Hapock game. there's
1: the thing because Forgotten Land, you're all like, Oh, very forgetful characters, very forgetful.
0: Well, th- 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 like, Elphalan doesn't do anything. She has, like, side comments on the world map, or, like, when you're in town, she be like, hey! You, she's, like, not Navi, because she doesn't, like, shout hey at you, but she's just like, wouldn't well, it be cool to try a different power-up? And it's like, okay, thank you, Elphalan. But, um, yeah, they had, like, a statue that you could pose with, and the idea was you just went station to station and posed, so... Elflin, ironically, being the most interesting photo I think I ended up getting because my girlfriend assisted, like, the the way the statue's set up, I, like, went behind it and did, like, a cheer squad photo almost, so there's now a photo of me, like, crouching in such a way that it looks like I'm in, like, a cheerleader pyramid with this character that's totally forgettable, so I'll show you guys the picture sometime, it's really something. But anyway, the whole thing was kind of, like, this cool little setup, um, and they even had this gate where you, like, walk in and you're walking through Kirby's mouth and it would blow air on you and make like the Kirby inhaling sound. Um, and at the end you got like, you know, a little Kirby branded swag bag with a lanyard and a code for some free in-game items and stuff. Um, but what was really like noteworthy about it or like kind of cool was I think, I think this marked the first physical Nintendo event outside of maybe stuff they do in their New York store, but the first like decade Nintendo event on its own, standing on its own since the pandemic started. So it was interesting to, see, you know, it's kind of interesting to see how they like adapted. There were no actual demo units of the game anywhere. They were just running videos on screens in the plaza. There was, uh you know, lots of social distancing, which actually kind of worked in the event's favor because it meant that you could actually like ha- take your time with each statue, and they had like a rep at each statue that would explain the power to you, and then you had your ability to you know get as many pictures as you want without being crowded. But um, really, it just felt nice to be like back at a physical Nintendo thing again. I mean, you. You guys know how much I like attending physical game stuff, and this one felt—I don't know—especially appropriate, being the first one back since it was also the location um, of the first Nintendo event I ever attended, the DS launch back in 2004, and then subsequently also the Wii launch in 2006. But that's not as poetically full circle, so I don't know why I mentioned the Wii. But um, yeah, it was just—it was uh, it's just kind of nice to. See Nintendo back in the world doing physical stuff. It also serves as kind of a nice entry point into the game itself, minus Evelyn and how much I didn't care about her. But, uh, it, and it's fitting that I did this, you know, the majority of my game playing of Forgotten Land was after I went to that event. So it was like the perfect sort of like segue of my life into now this game, which is why I mostly have been playing. But Andrew, you, you also checked out Forgotten Land a little in a much more normal way, much more normal entry point. You played yeah, the demo, I played right? The demo. So what did you think of it before I go too much into what I thought of it?
1: Um, it played... I mean, I, I guess the great thing about, like, you know, these Nintendo platformers is that they just always feel really good. Um, mm-hmm. The way Kirby feels to move around, like, one of the things I was kind of, like, just worried going in was, like, oh, man, I hope, like... His run speed doesn't feel too slow. I hope when he jumps, he doesn't like slow down in the air as the way he does in um, Kirby Crystal Shards. Like, there's all these little things where, you know, 3D movement for Kirby specifically can go wrong. And I was mm-hmm. very pleasantly surprised to see that it was just really great all around. Like, his airspeed was great. Like, he just felt good to run around and control. Um, everything else about the game though was pretty much like exactly what I thought it was going to be. Which, you know, is both necessarily not a good or a bad thing. It's just, I had very middle-of-the-road, like, and oh, what's the word I'm looking for? Expectations? I guess you could say that. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I didn't think it was going to be like, you know, it'd be silly of me to expect like, oh yeah, this is going to be like, Donkey Kong Country, or something, you know, just like, it's not gonna be a difficult game. It's not gonna be ridiculously easy, you know, it's just gonna be fun. You no, know, it's just fun to move around that game. I mean, I think I played to like two, three levels. I don't remember how many levels were in the demo. But, you know, it was a fun short time, but it pretty much felt, honestly, like the more I played through the game, the more I started to feel like I've played this game already. Maybe because mm-hmm. I just played so many Kirby games in the past that it, it, it I don't know. Something, like, f- just switched in my head where I'm just like, I think I'm going to wait. Like, I was enjoying what I was saying, but I just kept getting a sense of, like, I don't need to play this right now. Like, it, just, it felt like I've been there, done that. And without spoiling a lot to myself, like, you know, I, I kind of skipped around, like, a YouTube just I kind of listening to some of the soundtrack because, you know, some of the music sounds really great. And, yeah, just looking at some of the bosses or stuff like that, it's like, yeah, that looks kind of cool, but it doesn't look exciting either like i don't know some some parts look cool that i'd really want to try out later you know mainly like the level up system and that kind of stuff but when i do eventually play it it's more than likely it's going to be 100 co-op and i'll probably be the bandana d but yeah so i mean overall i mean yeah i guess you could say like at the end my impressions were good it was just like maybe and i think i might have touched on this on the podcast before but i think i'm just starting to be less and less excited for Kirby games specifically before like mainline Kirby games were like an instant buy but yeah like I didn't even get Kirby Star Allies I didn't get Kirby Planet Robobot I didn't get Kirby Triple Deluxe and I don't feel like I missed out on any of them and I've seen plenty of gameplay from them and yeah I'm just kind of good and even though this is a 3D Kirby game like even just playing it I started just getting those same kind of vibes so I'm sure that will change maybe when yeah. I eventually play the game but yeah, I I think I'm gonna keep chipping on the old backlog and eventually get to it instead of making it a day one purchase.
0: So there's the enthusiasm curbed, K I R B. Um, but no, I think I think you're on to. I can see where you're coming from. Like I'm a like I think I was saying before. I'm a little over like halfway through the game, and I think I think the way I would frame it, which kind of mirrors what you're saying to a degree, is that um. You know, it's an experience, it's a 2D, 3D jump, but it's a two, like, it's a a two, the experience is the fact that it went for a 2D, 3D jump, but it did that transition very safely. Like, it's, if you step back and kind of look at what they did here, it's been a minute since we've had Nintendo really take anything from 2D to 3D for the first time. We've seen them go the other way. You know, Chibi Robo to Ziplash, Pikmin to Hey Pikmin, but the idea of sort of opening up a traditionally 2D experience into Third dimension is something I don't think we've seen Nintendo we really do for like a decade now. Like maybe Kid Icarus Uprising was the last one. Well, I guess um,
1: technically, and int- there was that Kirby game on 3DS where he could kind of move around in 360 degrees. Nope.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah the, the the blockbuster, the, or whatever it was called. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but that one was a little different yeah, because yeah, yeah. it wasn't. It was. I mean, obviously, it was isometric and it was scaled down, but also like they did this thing. And I was actually reading the developer interview with the Kirby team when it first was published on town.com a week or two ago. It's pretty interesting if you're curious about the transition, but um, they didn't know how to figure out how to make Kirby like he's round, right? He's just a ball. He has a little arms. So he's basically a ball. So, like, how you know which way he's facing? And that's been part of the struggle for them with making him transition to 3D. Is like Mario, Link, whoever you like, have very defining features of their character model that show which way they're facing. Kirby is like. His little nubby arms are slightly less nubby. That must mean he's angled. So the, the one you're mentioning on 3DS, they actually have an arrow that, like, points where he's facing. And they could only really do that from kind of a top-down perspective, isometric perspective. So that's why that one was built that way. And this is the first real, like, he's in a normal 3D world situation. Um, but what's been interesting to see with Nintendo and general when they do 3D is unless the game is already, like, on the Z-axis, like, unless it's already moving into the screen like f or Star Fox did, um, Nintendo really shook up the game in some major way. I mean, you know, I said Kid Icarus before. Like, we went from a platformer to a flying shooter, on-rail action thing. A, th- a thing that still deserves to be on Switch, by the way, like, with a port. But nonetheless, just, like, this thing, or, like, you know, Metroid Prime versus Metroid, going from side-score to first-person adventure, or... Like something like Excitebike, like the original is pretty arcadey. Like literally, it was in an arcade machine at one point. Yeah, Excitebike '64 is like this more realistic thing. Um, but the one that I think kind of best points to what happened with Kirby is Mario, because like like initially Mario was like the same sort of extreme. Like as much as we collectively love Mario '64, it was a pretty big shift from 2D Mario if you think about. it. Like the ratio of actual platforming game pit, gameplay to like more exploratory. I guess gameplay, like it pretty drastically shifted, you know, because you went to these more open areas, there are places to run around and explore. You weren't just bopping enemies and doing quick reflex jumping, there's like a lot more, like, kind of slower stuff happening. And that was all, like, every 3D game in town did, that was the extreme they did. And a lot of these franchises have kind of ebbed and flowed back in the direction of kind of their 2D mindsets, I guess, for lack of a better word. So, like otherm you know, that existed and tried to kind of be 3D but 2D. Uh, Excite Bike went arcade again with Excite Truck. Mario zigzagged all over the place, I mean, we've gotten stuff as open as Mario Sunshine and Odyssey and as close to the, like, 2D spirit as 3D Land and 3D World. And where I'm going with all this is what I find interesting about Kirby and the Forgotten Land is that they didn't take that big swing into 3D. I think that's why it felt so familiar to you. Like, they didn't go full Mario 64. They went Mario 3D World. They kept as close to, like, the 2D traditional Kirby as you can get, but they did just enough to make it make sense in 3D. So that means you have the exact same emphasis on, you know, just making your way through a fairly linear level, only now has a little more movement in all four directions— you're still trying to find secrets and nooks and crannies, except those hint spots are now, you know, maybe in the screen instead of just on the left of the screen. And overall, like, the ratio of, light platforming to level exploration to kind of the, you know, ME power stealing and attacking, it all feels very one-to-one with what we know from the 2D Kirby games. And I think that's partly why it feels how it feels to you, Angel. Because um, it is the closest transition until it's probably ever done from 2D to 3D. And and a thing I found kind of interesting as I played through it um, is it seems to really wear that Mario inspiration on its sleeve. Like, the developers almost seem to pick and choose their favorite, like, 3D, but inspired by 2D Mario moments and, like, find a way to fold them into Kirby. Like, you you know, you have the main level design approach from 3D World, uh, but also there's at least one level of experience where you're flying through rings into the screen that feels identical gameplay-wise to the Plessy Water Rapids in 3D World. Like, the length of it, the way the secrets are set up, how you collect things, what the rings look like, like, it's very similar. Or from Mario Sunshine, um, do you remember those challenge stages they had in Mario Sunshine where it was, like, pure platforming? You are like, kind of sent into these weird colorful floating block spaces and you were specifically tested on different flood abilities, yeah. like, different water pack abilities. Yeah. So Forgotten Land has that, too. Same approach. There's floating blocks and colorful Bases, you're kind of you know you go into them and like this independent little just pl- little challenge. Only now you're being tested on how well you can use Kirby's abilities instead of like the flood. um There's even some like coincidental things that I don't even know if they're coincidental. Like they seem weirdly co- Like so, Forgotten Land has an amusement park themed area, just like Mario Sunshine did. And this amusement park theme area is covered in sludge. You need to clean up for one of the stages just like sunshine did, has and at one point in the amusement park you actually hop on an on rails roller coaster segment that moves the camera behind kirby's back and stays locked in just like mario sunshine had and i'm not saying how like ripped anyone off or anything but what i'm saying is that it feels like they looked at all the different ways mario in particular tackled 3d we, we after being 2D. that's true that's a very good Which point mario Maybe there's gets a deeper metaphor
1: he may as well have been sucking people up in odyssey
0: Yeah, that's true, but no, I, I, I see what what Kevin's saying. Yeah, maybe this is some sort of deeper allegory for Kirby's character. What was that? Nothing. Okay. But um, yeah, it's, it's, it just seems like was, it just feels like they looked at all the different ways that Mario in particular tackled 3D after being 2D for so long and then kind of cherry picked what they felt worked best to keep the spirit of 2D Kirby while technically adding that third dimension. Um so yeah it's it's very it's a very interesting like mix of like what Kirby is and what getting in 3D in the minimalist way possible is but I think perhaps this is maybe where our opinions are going to diverge a little bit more uh, drastically Angel because I'm finding that yes it is kind of familiar but that lower key like 2D to 3D transition like I'm having a lot of fun with it like it the, the game isn't wildly different from what you experienced before like you said but like it's just incredibly well-polished. I mean, the graphics alone are so just, like, pleasant to look at, for lack of a better word, but it's really charming, and there's a lot of, actually, clever design ideas as you go through it. My favorite being, by far, the whole mouthful mode thing. So, I don't know if you guys remember um, when the game was first announced, Uh, but we saw that abandoned world, and that got real, like, ooh, out of me, like, oh, this is cool. And then when they showed the first gameplay and how detached it seemed from that world, that changed from ooh to just, oh, like okay but mouthful mode turns out to actually kind of be the missing bridge between the world and the traditional gameplay because yes you know they've done similar in other games with kirby's animal friends or whatever uh but what's fun with mouthful mode is how it ties in parts of the new kirby or the new world that kirby's exploring i guess i should say um with the gameplay and it and it really is where like the bulk of the gameplay variety comes from so i'm like some of the things you encounter are very straightforward. You know, you inhale a cone, you can smash cracks in the ground. Inhale a staircase or a vending machine, you know, you gain access to the ability to, like, reach out of reach spots or shoot at out of reach things. But then there are ones that actually altered the gameplay and the physics. So, like, Car Kirby, he has uh time trial tracks you eventually race on, and they have, uh, like, this rock and roll racing kind of physics, which is very different from anything else in the game. And then there's stuff like Arch Kirby, which was the flying thing I was mentioning when uh, that kind of parallels Plessy. You know, uh, it actually, it also kind of feels like Diet Star Fox. But, you know, there's these different ones that aren't just normal platforming. They actually change up the gameplay. And even with some of the less gameplay-altering ones, like the light bulb Kirby, which you need to um use in a specific haunted mansion stage like it does change your pacing because it's not super innovative or wild but you know they do that bit where you can only see so much in front of you and you have to kind of like the way and walk carefully and in a game that's very breezy and you just kind of go at your own pace it doesn't matter having to slow down is variety um and that stage by the way has some amazing music the the haunted mansion it, it's by far the best song on the on the game in the game i think and just as a side. um I mean, Angel, you mentioned you heard some of the music. I feel like the music's super good in this game.
1: Yeah, it is. Definitely. Yeah,
0: they even have a full theme song with lyrics at the start. That's like a straight up anime. Opening. Oh, like Odyssey. Like it. Well, not yeah. Well, movie. yeah, yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, it's just like Kirby music in general across the series is always on point, and it's definitely true here. Um, I mean, I think like I I kind of said in passing at the star of our Kirby talk, but Kirby won a Grammy, or specifically. A cover group called 8 Big Big Band um they run best arrangement instrumental or acapella for their arrangement of Meta Knight's Revenge from Kirby Superstar and that's just like it doesn't say how you know the quality of the music that they won a Grammy it's like one of the few games to ever win a Grammy or game piece of the game music that that's pretty cool um but anyway, point is, uh, the sheer variety and frequency of those uh, malpho mode abilities had so far, for me, kept things actually feeling fresh, a little different, fun. Um, and they serve as really kind of the heart, I guess you could call it, of the cleverness of the game. Like, the level themes themselves are cool, you know, whether it's an abandoned theme park like I was talking be- about before, or whether it's like an old, decaying mall that doubles as kind of a maze because, you know, what giant mall isn't? But, uh, like, they really had some fun with the theming and mouthful mode because they needed to find a way to make Kirby these different shapes and have these different objects. Like it, it putting it in our world and putting it with things we're familiar with made sense and it, it kind of pulls together the entire theming and stuff with the gameplay. And And it's, it's pretty cool. Um, that said, a point I will concede readily is that as much of it as I'm having, the game is relatively simple. Like it is. I don't want that to be confused with lack of effort or bare bones, but the like, like the amount of energy the developers clearly put into anything, into everything is super apparent. You know, instead of just a menu to view past cutscenes, you literally walk Kirby into a little movie theater and he like sits down with popcorn and like watches the cutscene. Or like, if you go to the music player when you unlock it, there's literally a band of Kirby characters playing the songs. And if a band member's uh, instrument isn't in that moment of the song, the band member will actually stop playing. Like, it's not a generic. Can animation for every song like they put effort into this thing And it's a mindset in the gameplay too like that there you see it there to some degree um you know like they the developers seem to really try to leverage each inch of every level for these secondary goals you need to go back and complete um some of them you may find on your first pass but the ones missed are only revealed to you after you beat the stage which then feeds right back into the main loop of wanting to open as much of your Waddle d town as possible because every secret you find you get more Waddle d's um and and uh what was I gonna say? Sorry, I also should a thought. Um yeah, and then that's what I was gonna say. And um not just the main stages have those secondary things, but the challenge stages, there's a um actually a time to beat for each of those challenge stages where they have you try your copy abilities in more extreme ways. And then actually like there's some like light speed running type skills needed for that. So the developers did with what they have try to do a lot. And it's actually interesting, there's a Washington Post interview um where apparently stuff like the challenge stages were specifically added because Star Allies DLC, which was, like, harder than the regular game, was extremely well-received. And, uh, you know, they saw that, like, I guess you could say, quote-unquote, real gamers were out there and playing Kirby. So they tried to give some, like, more intense stuff within the Kirby definition of intense um in this game. So it's actually a good interview in general if you're curious, like, how they came up with mode and stuff. So we'll, we'll link to it on this episode's blog post at RamTown.com. But... What I was saying is that the game is actually relatively simple. Because, yeah, they have all this stuff, but the, the simplicity is in the deeper mechanics. Like Kirby's copy abilities. You know, Angel, you mentioned you're excited to try the power-up thing or interested maybe to try the power-up thing. Um, so each can be upgraded multiple times as you collect bunny and power stones from levels and challenge stages and whatnot. But it just, I don't know, it feels right for so much more. There's only 12 powers in total. And there's no way to combine them as power combos like in, in, uh, Kirby 64 or, or you know, there's no way to even do something like the friend abilities and star allies when you're playing co-op. Like they're just like, you have these tall powers, they look a little snazzier when you upgrade them and that's about it. It feels very, like for a Kirby game, pretty minimal in terms of the, ver- the impact of variety they have. And similarly, like the mini games are very surface level. Like I don't know how better word it. Uh, again, I'm not saying they're bad. Uh, they're fun, but there's zero chance any of them are gonna get spun off into their own eShop releases in the way that, you know, a past Kirby minigame has. Uh to give you an idea, the cooking one, uh the Wild D like you help Wild D cook, all you do is need to distinguish increasingly um faster images of what a Wild D wants, and then you hit a corresponding button. And some of them are still wet and some of them aren't, and you know, that and it's just like you just hit left, right, left, right, whatever. Uh the fishing one is fishing. Not much to say there. Uh and then there's maybe a kind of like intentional, maybe unintentional Kirby tilt and tumble reference of a minigame where you rotate a maze to land or like roll Kirby in a hole at the end. And then there's a boss rush mode, which does bring back a fan favorite character and has some high score stuff and a cool presentation, but it's really just a straight to the point boss rush mode. So, so, um, really what both down, whether it's intentional or not, like what the simplicity does do is leave the game open for a really awesome sequel probably like there's absolutely room to expand the power system expand the mini games maintain the 3d elements keep something like mouthful mode we'll see if they do a direct sequel or maybe some sort of dlc you know nothing's been announced yet in fact in those in every interview the developer's like oh we got nothing about dlc to say but like as is i am enjoying like i am finding kirby in the forgotten land to be a really enjoyable playthrough with a lot of charm it's just simple it's just a little more straightforward it's not gonna like knock your socks off like you're saying you like it has some familiarity to it there's enough different stuff that for me i'm finding it really fun especially in the production values um but yeah if you're looking for some like revolution for kirby or some crazy thing that is now 3d but meets the deepest kirby has gone with his power system and stuff yeah that that's not here and i think for some folks like you angel that that is the understandable drawback that went that took you from going i'm probably gonna get this too i'll sit back and wait it's you know it's nothing against the game. The game very yeah, well done. It it's just, definitely wasn't you know, a little...
1: like it's not like I had a like oh yeah I'm definitely not getting this game or for me. Like it looks fun. Like I mean I, I enjoy like simple games from time to time. Sometimes it's just nice and relaxing. Sometimes that's what you want from a video game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I just but they are also those same types of games even though I enjoy them are also the kinds of games that can wait a year or two or three or even a decade sometimes.
0: Yeah, and I think and I think that's the thing with with Forgotten Lands. Like it's not. The culmination of everything Kirby's done, it's the capturing of what the essence of Kirby is and sort of pivoting it into a different dimension. And then they left it at that essence. Like, they didn't go all the way in to the deepest things they've done. They just kind of, like, left it at, like, this is pure Kirby, but now 3D. Which is all you really need to do. In a way, it could be like a soft reboot. I mean, they're saying in these same interviews I keep referencing they're not ruling out that Kirby has to always be 3D now. They might go the Mario and Zelda route where there's some 2D Kirby's or some 3D Kirby's. Obviously, there's the experimental side of the Kirby franchise. So, like, this is just another approach versus, like, the kind of be-all, end-all, this is the future of Kirby. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I think, we're so used to the 3D transition being such, like, this big deal for Nintendo. And this one's really fun and and charming, but it's not, like, a big deal. It's just Kirby's in 3D now. So, yeah. But anyway, that's Kirby. Um, Kevin, you didn't try the demo or anything, did you? No, I did not. Are you are you a Kirby guy? Do you play much many Kirby games?
1: Uh, I dabble in Kirby.
0: That's fair. Do you tend to dabble more in the regular platformer? I You're just like, kind dabble with just in general Kirby.
1: I will try okay. whatever game that Kirby, <laughs> whatever new type of Kirby
0: game there is. Fair, fair. Um, except this one animals. so far. To a degree. There's definitely some that are more similar, but yeah, I get what you mean. Um, so yeah, I guess that's that's Kirby then, um, and I'm sure every listener that sat through that with bated breath now gets you know weighing for Angel your mystery game that I'm over hyping. We're here, the floor is yours. What is this game?
1: Yeah, I really Dude, wish you had it. brought off
0: on oh, Elden Ring. <laughs> let's go, baby. It's it's gonna be it's gonna be the most like generic. Yeah, it's either Elden Ring or it's gonna be like oh, I played uh, a demo of like Photo Dojo on the 3ds again.
1: Nah, it's just a... It's a game... It's a demo I found the other day, because I just recently um, upgraded my Switch to a one terabyte SD card. So now I finally have all the games that I've ever, you know, purchased or downloaded on it at once, because, yeah, I think... Yeah, I just... I easily ran out of space really quickly. I had a 200 gig one, and I think I was only able to hold, like, a third of my library. And... As I was just perusing demos to add, you know, just to say what was out there, what else I can download, because now I have, like, 700 extra gigs. And the folder's actually now come in handy, just because there are so many. Like, I just made a party game section, because, damn, I didn't realize I didn't have that many that we actually rotate between. But, the point is, the game that I played was Crayon Chin-Chan The Storm Called Flaming <laughs> Kasukabe Runner <laughs> Trial Version. Um...
0: I just want to say before we go any further, this was worth all the build-up because that was out of left field. And that's the best type of response you can have to that dramatic buildup I gave it. So definitely worth the hype. This is on the U.S. store. Yeah.
1: So I have many like questions about this because for one thing, I was kind of surprised to find a shin game for those that aren't yeah. aware. It's, it's an anime uh, about a kindergartner. Has kind of crude humor, um, but putting it mildly. But typically, yeah, that's very mild. Even but, I know that. <laughs> but typically, it's media, and more specifically, it's video game media. Doesn't usually reflect that crude humor. <laughs> if anything, it usually goes in the other direction. Like I've seen that it has like some games on the app store that are literally for kids that are supposed to teach them how to do their bed, how to like. To remind us to like. To help their parents do laundry. You know like. Teaching them like basic skills. Which is kind of surprising. But um. Yeah and this one. Is. Just an endless runner. And it's. Like unabashedly a mobile game. That was just slapped on the 3DS. Like they didn't even hide. The fact that it's primarily touch controls. With you know. I guess button controls like also thrown in there. Because everything. Tells you to touch it. As opposed to, you know, you could just press A. And for some reason, for it being like a 2D, like, you know, a 2D endless runner. Um, and Shin Chan's run animation looks neat. But, yeah, for some reason it has performance issues. Um, it hitches at the beginning of every level. And it's almost like a weird... You could tell it's like a natural delay when he jumps. I don't know if that's like a symptom of it being on... I guess mobile first and then going to console but yeah it's it's not a very fun game to control half the time and i think the part that just kind of like bugs me a little is the fact that this game like of all the games they ported over to the u.s and yeah it has english well you can also change the the language to english all the voicing is still in japanese even when you change it to english but, yeah, the they brought this game over when there is an actual, like, Shinchan game on the Switch that is kind of like, a I don't even know what to describe it as. You're kind of, like, exploring your neighborhood. It's, like, a very chill, summery vibe. It's not a crude game either, but it just looks like an exploratory, like, you know, fetch quest kind of game that actually looks kind of neat and I'm kind of curious like why that one was important instead of this one you know obviously maybe this one just like a lot quicker and easier but yeah was this surprised to find a Shin-Chan game was kind of not surprised or a little disappointed that it ended up being a not great a not great game because you know you're just jumping over giant vegetables and doing random stuff that never really happens in the show like it's just there now and yeah and you know you just you, that you, the switch is like you know a nesting ground for these mobile ports that you know they don't even try to change anything about them but i guess it's just the world we live in
0: i so you're saying it's not worth its usual ten dollar asking price
1: I'm not even sure how much it costs normally, but yeah, I would say it's not worth the, the $10 asking
0: price. Yeah, it, it's normally 10 Right now it's only 6 40% off, and uh, I looked it up while you were talking. You forgot to really—you didn't put the right emphasis on the title. It's all caps, Crayon Shin-Chan, then lowercase, the storm called, then all caps again, Flaming Kasukabe Runner with two exclamation marks. And if that hodgepodge of grammar doesn't sum up what you're saying about the game, I don't know what does. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's uh it doesn't look great you're right it definitely looks mobile game ported which is kind of a sucky thing with the switch these days is like it's good there's so many games but nintendo seems to stop caring about quality control like stuff gets on there that's broken stuff gets on there that's like kind of not really optimized like what you're describing like I, I don't know it's i feel like they could clamp down a hair like it's cool you can say we have six thousand games or whatever but like if 2,000 of them aren't really playable in a fun way, does that kind of hurt? Like, isn't that what happened in the NES days that led to, like, or in the Atari days that led to the NES having I mean, to have the Nintendo seal quality on every game because Nintendo wanted to make sure they didn't sort of drag down the overall quality? Like, I don't know. It just it seems weird to your point. Yeah, I mean, kind of broken.
1: I mean, for a while, it seems like the, the Switch has become Steam 2.0. So. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just kind of... more proof. Of it. It's not the worst proof of it. I mean, like, there is a game. They're just playable. It has some neat stuff. But, yeah, like, the English is kind of uh, broken in the text form that it has. Because, you know, it's not... There's no dubbing anywhere. It's just English text, and even that text is sometimes a little confusing. Like, because they're trying to describe power-ups, and I don't really get what some of the power-ups do, just because the grammar is... Not that great, so yeah, that's always something. But question: Did the Nintendo seal of approval guarantee you a good game, or did it just no. guarantee <laughs> you a work? No, game?
0: it it guaranteed you a game that would function correctly on the platform, right? Yeah.
1: Which most of them do, right? So. I don't know. yeah yeah, yeah. Could, it's all like yeah, like yeah. Nintendo you, you was could, ever curating their games yeah you could so, say that all of these yeah, i true. guess would still have the nintendo feel of quality by that purpose but i think uh fans over the years kind of just gave it the that meaning that it meant that like i know, just nintendo it, only yeah. had only have good quality games but yeah it's far from the truth i mean
0: yeah yeah no there's there i mean the wii era is a good example i mean that I, think I mean of look about, at the 64 of, it has a similar problems i mean come on Whoa, shots fired. I was gonna say the Wii era with all those minigame game collections that weren't good, but okay, we'll just take shots at Starfire. There was a game on the Wii called like Birthday Party, and it's a bunch of really low budget, low rent mini games that are themed around a birthday party. It was a whole game of just birthday party. And it had the stamp of approval, so but yeah, Angel, in terms of this game i broken English, the description on Intel.com enjoy Shinchan and his friends wearing a variety of cosplay clothes, well known to people familiar with anime and movies. Do they mean just the, the mediums of anime and movies? Or like his anime and movies? Like, they're missing a word there, I think. But, definitely, definitely a weird find on your part. So, so let me ask you this then. If this is the example of what not to do with an anime game, what, are there any anime ad- adaptations that sort of stand above the rest in your mind? as like, this is the proper way? Like, you know, like I know back in college, One Piece on Wii was a big hit among some of our friends. Like, is there anything like that there? I was like, everyone should try and strive for that quality level of an anime adaptation
1: don't think I've played too many anime games on the Switch I mean you know, or in the, general uh, even like I mean, the, the old Naruto Slayer fighting looks, game or anything the Demon Slayer one looks neat but I've also heard it's very it's like a dumbed down version of the Ninja Storm games which already weren't the most complicated games technical wise so if they're that that's almost kind of disappointing but I mean, visually they look great. Um, I really liked Naruto. I forgot what it's called. Um, uh, Ninja Clash or something. It was on the, the game. The fighting team. one, right? Clash yeah. of Ninja, Clash of the Ninja. Yeah, like those. My brother and I really, really loved. Like those are really great. We really got into those. Um, they were a little closer to a traditional fighter, but still had some arena elements. It wasn't like as bombastic as Ninja Storm, but the mechanics were just more fun and competitive, which I guess gave it
0: an edge to us. Was, was that on, on PS2 as well? The Ninja, the Naruto probably, fighting game. I seem to remember I it, think it was Ninja Clash, or Clash and Ninja, but
1: Clash and Ninja was uh, Nintendo exclusive. Oh yeah, it ended yeah, yeah. up to the Wii. Yeah, and Ninja Storm were Sony
0: exclusives. Okay, yeah, because I do remember our friends place oh, playing yeah, PS2 ones. Xbox yeah.
1: had a. Like a 3D open world game for Naruto? Yeah, they had. That,
0: yeah, for some reason. Was the Monkey
1: Chronicles or something like that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I wonder what happens to that. Well, I guess it didn't go far, but yeah, I don't know. How... Do you? Is there any anime-based games that are off the top of your head that you're like, I actually really like this one? Because I besides that one, I'm kind of drawing a blank. I'm drawing a literally blank. anything yeah. else. I I actually thought like you know, mobile, you'd, be,
0: you'd have a, a list just ready to go, knowing you, but. Yeah. Huh.
1: I mean, there's a MopCycle cycle game I've been wanting to try on mobile by Crunchyroll that seems decent, but console-wise... I I
0: it. know Dragon Ball Fighters was well received. Yeah, Dragon Ball FighterZ was well oh. received. Yeah, FighterZ. FighterZ. FighterZ that's not well an anime game. anime game, that's a fighting game. Yeah. It's a fighting game. <laughs> Fighter first, anime second versus yeah, anime well, first. Yeah, cause, fighting Cause I'm thinking yeah.
1: like what anime game like, has like a narrative that you follow all the way through that was like still really great, but I mean... Yeah, I mean, Shin-Chan do well shin doesn't.
0: <laughs> well, not this one. But um, I mean,
1: well, the other shin game, I actually bought it for my friend first. I forgot for what, for Birthday or Christmas. And I was thinking of getting one for myself just to practice Japanese, because, you know, unfortunately, the whole game is in Japanese, but that's kind of a good thing as well. I mean, that game looks decent, but it also looks very, you know, it's a very chill vibe kind of game. So, like, I, can't, I mean, for an anime game, right. I would kind of like something... That would be big by the end. And you know. That one might satisfy some urges, but not all of them. I guess Pokemon, yeah, think, I think. <laughs> that, that doesn't really count.
0: No, Pokemon was first You know, if we're if we're varying off just pure anime, there is one I always wanted to try and I actually was just pulling up to make sure I get the full name right. Um apparently I downloaded it at some point, so it's on my three DS and I just oh, never
1: that day that you got really, really drunk.
0: I'm, oh, yeah, I'm sure I drunk eShopped. Yes, but uh, no, so um, Attack of the Friday Monsters. All the
1: crazy stuff, you drunk purchase games.
0: Yeah, people people buy $1,000 of items, and I'm just like, what well, if I get Attack of the Monsters for $8 on the eShop But um, yeah, <laughs> Attack doing. of the Friday Monsters on the 3DS. It I wasn't inspi- It wasn't oh, an anime, but it was inspired by almost the like kind of slice of life, slower paced. That's actually you know, what the Shichang yeah. game
1: kind of looks like just without the giant monster Oh, really?
0: Yeah, yeah, but I I, I should go.
1: Fun. I, I enjoyed that one.
0: Oh, you did actually play it. Okay, yeah. I, yeah. I, I, Would you? Do you I think I'd like it? Pretty sure. Like, should I'm I go? Out of here. You might have. Should I... I go steal my? Should I go to my parents' house and get my three DS, which is still sitting there unused for a year now?
1: Uh, I don't know, because like it's like a card game. You kind of have to like collect cards and build a deck and do that, and I don't know. I, I feel like you may not bother. Hmm
0: okay you saved me a drive i guess but yeah no the vibe of that game from i remember when it was announced and everything felt very very like an original anime if you will but like it felt very of that like cut from that cloth yep yeah Yeah,
1: but yeah i mean that's, that's
0: that game i think that was worth all my hyping up absolutely i guarantee you no one no one Unless they happen to look at our uh, topic list ahead of time and got spoiled. No one would have figured out that's what you are going to say.
1: Why don't you just keep it as Angel's Mystery Game as it is here?
0: Because we always link for more information. I guess we could link the word Mystery yeah, Game to hyperlink. the corresponding. All right. All right. Maybe we'll do that. Um, but, yeah. Okay. So, that was... Um, is Crayon Shin-chan's creator the one that, like, fell off a cliff? Wait, what?
1: If it is, that's the first time I've heard about it. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> if that Wow. I, I didn't know. Yeah, but that's I'm that's sure intense. He fell off a cliff and passed. Uh, fell off as in like accident or yes, exactly. Oh, okay. That makes it a little. I, I think I mean, he was like hiking or something. It's kind of weird to say like a little better, but I mean that still sucks. Because <laughs> you know I thought it was it like Because I thought they <laughs> ended their life. Well, yeah, oh, goddammit. Yeah.
0: If you if you are be super callous and in, in in uh not indecent, but in. Not inhumane, but if you will be super, like, uh, about it, someone dying is a great transition to our enthusiasm for oh games to the bummers of the news. <laughs> I'm kidding. I would never actually do that, but I just did, I guess. But no, before we get to that, Kevin, was there anything you want to, There, you've been playing much? Anything you want to bring up?
1: No, I haven't been playing much. Uh, I, I, I have been playing Elden Ring a lot, but that is for a random Nintendo.
0: What are the odds? And the answer I know is 0% that we'll ever see anything Elden Ring on a Nintendo platform. We did get Dark Souls eventually, we I think. We did get Dark Souls eventually. Huh. It might have I'm to be like a, with a, a, like a 5% chance. Okay. Five, okay. Okay, so not zero. And, and to be fair, that 5%, <laughs> that means it's a cloud version. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, you know what bums me out about the cloud version situation is so Guardians of the Galaxy, right? Um, is cloud on Switch and is regularly released as hard as physical software on every other platform. And on every other platform, it's had pricing range from full price down to like 15, 20 bucks. And I keep going, like, I've heard great things about the game. I just want it to go on sale on Switch, but because it's only the cloud version, it's only controlled by Square Enix and there's no like, you know, retailer trying to move units or anything. It's never on sale. And that's something I don't even think we ever thought about when we talked about like the transition to cloud and stuff like that. Uh, maybe it gets leapfrogged by Game Pass becoming the thing and everyone just gets like a la carte, you know, just um, not a la carte, but all you can eat, like one price. But like cloud games are never necessarily going to be on sale. Maybe a publisher will sometimes like to do a digital downloads, but the incentive is, is, there's not as much incentive, I feel like. And that's kind of a bummer. Speaking of bummers, did we mention the guy from... No, uh, speaking of bummers, the news. Uh, the bummer brigade, if you will. Zelda was delayed. E3 was cancelled. Maybe break that down a little bit. So first we got the Zelda delay. Um, it was going from a 2022 release to a spring 2023 release. Which is a bummer that we have to wait a little longer to play it. But is anyone actually surprised?
1: No, and nope. not even feeling like it's a bummer whatsoever because, like I said, backlog, plenty of things to do, barely enough time to play games lately. So yeah, take all the time you want. Otherwise, it's just going to yeah, be actually, sitting in my shelf anyway. So
0: yeah, I feel like bummer. It's just a like it's a high concept bummer because I actually don't mind either because the lineup is pretty. St- I mean, you know, it, it didn't seem like it was happening this bummer? year. Like. Like, like it's like, on paper, it's like, oh yeah, that's a bummer, but in actuality, it's like, oh, not really, there's plenty. You know, once we learned that Pokemon Scarlet and Violet were coming this holiday, like, about a month ago, and it felt like the ring was on the wall, right? Sure. Like, yeah, it just seems like, I mean, Nintendo could have, I guess, used a June Direct to reveal the name in the first year of gameplay, and then launch it later this year, but the Rayo silence, the fact that they have an equally big, if not bigger, seller coming out right at the same time like yeah this you know coupled out with the fact that Zelda games are probably the most delayed of all of Nintendo's franchises um like I actually went back because I I don't have a life I actually looked this all up Ocarina of Time was delayed a year Twilight Princess was delayed over a year Skyward Sword was delayed over a year Breath of the Wild went from 2015 to 2017 like this is par for the course and it's not at all uncommon for result of the game to be announced, like you know, two or three years before we eventually see it, like Twilight Princess was first shown at E three two thousand four and didn't come out till the end of two thousand six. So like this isn't this isn't surprising to me at all. Um, I guess the question is, do you think the way Nintendo handled the delay announcement correctly with that video of producer you know Iguinuma talking over pretty much all old footage? Like, did that work? Not work? Because I feel like there like people on our cast split about like. Like, they were all were understanding, except the people that were annoying. But, like, there seemed to be some, like, well, why didn't they throw us a bone? like, what do you guys think?
1: I didn't even watch the video because I didn't feel there was a necessity to <laughs> yeah, watch what? it. Like, what, what? And who so that, gets mad at, like, oh, they should what? No. They should have given like, us a like, teaser at least or something. Yeah. Well, no, well it's fine. It's, it, it's, it's that is <laughs> So entitled, God. Yeah. it's
0: funny because they did in the video give a small teaser and most people are just like oh it wasn't enough they show link with some shaggy hair some new clothes he has little triforce braids in his shirt which is kind of cool but then they show like a decaying master sword or like melted or something and i feel like that's something to latch on to if you really need something for hold to hold out for those extra three months like you could speculate on that reminds me of in like 2000, which E3 must have been 2009, when they announced Skyward Sword, but all they did was release a piece of art that showed Link and Fee back to back, like or Fire, or however you say her name. Instead of, um, you know, instead of having a Master Sword, he had her, and everyone's like, "Oh, what's this mean?" Like, I feel like the melting Master Sword for like the millisecond it was there was that, like, that's something. If you really want to spend a month or two speculating on what that could mean or how that could be possible, you could, you know. But, yeah, there are some people who are just like, oh, why didn't you, like, do a, tra- a trailer anyway? It's just like, I knew I had to get a haircut. Like, he had more important priorities. Um, Yeah, what was amusing to me, besides, like, the entitlement that you put, Kevin, was the aftermath of the announcement, the sheer variety of reactions and hot takes that came out of this delay. Like, everyone seems to be thinking this is so much bigger of a thing than it is. Like, it's just a couple months, guys. But, like, in one corner, you had a ton of people... Thinking that this means Switch 2 is confirmed because, hey, you know, Breath of the Wild 1 launched alongside the Switch in the same spring window six years prior. And that's right in line with the typical length of uh, past Nintendo console generations. And there's an NVIDIA leak the other week from hackers that showed that there is a Switch successor in development because, of course, there is. Um, And, like, Switch 2 was trending on Twitter for, like, most of the day. And I'm just, like, looking at, like, guys... You know Nintendo keeps saying they want the Switch to go longer than any other generation in their history. They've described the console as being midway through its life within the last year. Like, we're not getting a whole new Switch in, what, uh, 11 months from now? Like, I can't even see a half-step like the Switch Pro, given the OLED model won't even be 18 months old at that point. And and as you guys know, I was a big believer in all those Switch Pro reports, Um but I, again, I, cause I don't have a life. Yeah, I looked it up. It's the only,
1: ridiculous. I don't, I have no idea. I, I still stand by my thing. I don't know why anybody thought that was coming. But...
0: Well, I think, I think if we want to dive into it, I think it was at one point and still is at some point stuff they're working on. I think things got conflated in terms of what's coming when due to chip Not shortages, due to fault. pandemic timing, but what?
1: I thought Bloomberg's fault or whatever publication. Yeah, I mean, it
0: wasn't just... Yeah, Bloomberg was the spearheader of it, but they've been accurate before. I, I It's it's hard to predict how things are going to go when multiple industries are completely upended by chip shortages and when Nintendo could easily have been working on multiple projects at once and those get conflated. Like, you know, there's too many factors at, at play. But anyway, the only console that was released as quickly after an iteration were... Like the only time i done that were when they made a lesser powered version like the 3DS XL came out then the 2DS came out or they simply resized versions of current hardware like when the DSi XL came out within a year and a half of the DSi coming out so to me I can't imagine after an OLED model coming in you know last October that in March we're going to be getting some crazy different switch like people seem to be thinking this means if anything if anything maybe we get like an OLED switch light that seems more online, like, on brand with how Nintendo does these things, but yeah, I mean, I, do you think we're going to, do you think there's going to sell this software, or do you think there's any chance of any sort of, like, hardware or something to kind of kickstart it, like, they did with Majora's Mask and, like, the new 3DS or anything like that?
1: I don't think so, and I guess beyond that, like, until I dismiss something from Nintendo, I'll just continue to not think so.
0: Fair enough. Kevin, are you gunning for any sort of hardware thinking? Any sort of hardware is going to happen? Nope. Yeah, sounds like we're on the same page. Um, take number two. I saw about the Zelda delay. This one was much smaller, but it kind of made me smile. Uh, I saw a few, a f- like a smattering of people pointing out, "Hey, Zelda's delay means that Sonic Frontiers will be more successful." Um, so it's been yeah, a while was, since
1: that was going to be that game's issue.
0: Yeah. So it's been... For those who don't remember it too well... Because it's been a while since it was announced. It's coming out later this year. Yeah, they haven't talked about it in a while. It was announced last year. But yeah, Frontiers is this year. It's, as a refresher for those listening, it's the open-world approach of Breath of the Wild through the lens of Sonic. And uh, I guess on paper, if people aren't buying Breath of the Wild 2, that does mean literally less competition for Sonic. But, like, how many... Who's out... What market analyst or whoever is out there going, like, well people have to buy Sonic if they need their Breath of the Wild fix. I don't recall Immortals, Phoenix Rising, Ubisoft's Breath of the Wild riff like selling that well because it was three years after Breath of the Wild and people need more Breath of the Wild. Like, I'm not buying Sonic Frontiers because of Zelda not being out this year. I assume you guys aren't going to be doing that either.
1: And to be fair, those that are buying Frontier are going to buy Zelda anyways. Yeah. It's it's not like somebody's... It's not
0: like somebody is gonna buy Frontiers because Zelda's not out. Yeah, like no one's gonna they're they're no one equates those two franchises as interchangeable. Yeah. It's it's I mean I guess the only people
1: it might impact are like, you know, kids that can only get like one game like every eight months or something like that. Or something like that. But let's
0: let's roll with that for a second. If you're a kid and it's between Sonic, the new Pokemon, and what was gonna be Zelda, where do you have to go to do Sonic? Over? Actually, you know what? I take that back. In light of the movie, in light of the resurgence of Sonic as a character, there will be some kids that will choose Sonic over Pokemon, actually. So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe there is that small slice of little Timmies in the world that want Sonic as their one game instead of Zelda as their one game. But, but, so maybe I was being a little facetious about the Sonic take. Maybe it's not that bad for a certain demographic. But the real take I did not understand and still don't understand coming out of that delay is the one by investors. So following the news of the delay, Nintendo's stock dropped six percent. And uh that I'm confused over. about the- Yeah, it- Nintendo's doomed. And I'm confused by this for a few reasons. Okay, because first, sure, Zelda is a big franchise and now there won't be sales of it in calendar year twenty twenty two. But the game isn't canceled, and there aren't people who are like, well, if I don't buy a Zelda in a month that has 2022 attached to it, I'm never buying it. Like, the game's literally out a couple months later. And as the original Breath of the Wild showed, you know, you can sell gangbusters for years with an initial release outside of the holiday windows. So, like, I don't know why they're like, oh, Nintendo's not going to sell it, especially because second point... Spring um, can still include the same fiscal year. Like Nintendo's sales year for financial purposes is April 1st to March 31st. And they often call March spring in their marketing. And there was zero indication from Nintendo that they're expecting software sales to decline in light of this delay. In fact, all we have right now is their opposite attitude, which is that they have momentum at the moment with sales throughout this year. Um, in their financial report we talked about back in February... They raised their software sales forecast for you know, this past fiscal year from 200 million to 220 million. So for the first part of the calendar year 2022, they're expecting to go up in sales. and, I, and there's no indication that even with Zelda delayed, they're gonna go down. like that kind of brings me to the third point of all this. Nintendo has a crazy lineup this year. like they're not, you know, yeah, they don't have the sequel to the 20 million seller. That won't make it this holiday. that'll be probably March or April. But at the end of this month, they're releasing the sequel to the 82 million seller, Wii Sports, with Switch Sports. And this is something I tweeted, but they, you know, this summer, they're releasing the sequel to the 13 million selling, Splatoon 2, with Splatoon 3. This holiday, they had Pokemon Scar and Violet, which is, you know, the follow-up to an entry in Pokemon, Store and Shield, that sold 24 million. It's now the best, second best seller in franchise history. It's, I think, combined outsold Breath of the Wild. And between all that, we've got sequels to multiple multi-million seller games. Each of these have sold over 3 million. Their predecessors, Mario Strikers, Xenoblade, Fire Emblem. Like there's, uh, and you could argue, okay, Fire Emblem is uh, not actual sequel. It's like a Hyrule Warriors type of deal. But okay, you know, it sold over 2 million, Hyrule Warriors. So like there's multi-million sellers stacking the lineup, like sequels to all of them. Like there's, if there's ever a time for Nintendo to just up and delay a flagship game like Zelda, this kind of feels like the year. Like the lineup is is set, it's fine. We we essentially know every major release between now and the holidays, excluding maybe the month of October and December itself. And you know, one of those months, Nintendo could easily slot in the delayed Advance Wars um, if they feel the timing's appropriate. So really, we we only we know everything but one month of their release calendar. And I'm sure they still have some other surprises in store anyway. Too, like we don't know when Bayonetta three is coming out. If it makes it this year, do you guys think it's going to make it this year?
1: I will leave that,
0: uh, no. What, what's his name? Uh, it's not Hamada. It's, um, uh, no, wait, that that's the wrong guy. I was thinking of the guy that did, uh, Wonderful 101 and, um, Astral Chain. That's not the guy that's doing Mandana, right? Is that not yeah. him?
1: Is Kamiya. it him? Yeah. Is it yeah, Kamiya? 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 Oh, okay. Yeah. I guess it is
0: the same guy. Never mind.
1: Uh, Kamiya says that it'll be ready when it's ready. So
0: I'll just wait for him to say something. Yeah, that sounds to me like 2022 is not concrete. Which isn't a problem because, again, it's a stacked lineup. And and there's got to be other stuff. Like if you look at the turnaround time from Switch Sports announcement to release. Switch Sports, the, the sequel to the 82 million seller, you know, that was two months. If you look at, like, the gap from announcement to release of WarioWare Get Together last year during E3, that was three months. Like there's no – we know so much and there's so much more. Like even on a smaller scale, like look at how Nintendo just, like, casually announces – And again, it's a much smaller scale, but my point is they don't need timelines anymore. Like, they casually announce Switch Online titles the day they're available. They announce them maybe a week in advance. Like, literally between our last episode and this episode, we had two separate Switch Online library updates. N64 Mario Golf was confirmed to come on April 15th, which is this coming week. And before that, on March 31st, we got Earthworm Jim 2, Dig Dug 2, Mappy Land. Uh, All those were added to the Super Nintendo and NES libraries like they, it's smaller stakes but like Nintendo just does things when they want there's no we know so much and there's so much more they can do is what I'm trying to say Um, by the way have you guys played any of those or int- have interest in any of those like Earthworm Jim or Dig Dug or anything
1: particularly like I mean at most maybe Earthworm Jim but not really
0: I feel like no. I never got the appeal of Earthworm Jim when I was a kid if that makes sense. I mean, it's weir- Yeah, it, it's, <laughs> it's weird that, like, they're doing Earthworm Gym 2 and not one, or not both. But yeah, I don't know, like, it, it might, maybe it's part of that 90s. Like, there was, like, a 90s trend of, like, not gross out, but, like, you know, Red and Stimpy, Rockless Myron Life, Earthworm Gym, um, A Real Monster. Like, there is was, uh, to varying degrees, there was, like, this thing in the 90s of, like, you know, uh, Garbage Pale Kids, like just, although that might be more 80s, but just like kind of like, how, let's do something gross and it'll be cool. And I feel like Earthworm Jim tried to, and it'll be edgy. Like it feels like, Earth, yeah, I don't know. Earthworm Jim always seemed to be like kind of a hodgepodge of those ideas. And it never really clicked with me. But anyway, you know the one thing I actually am kind of into was they didn't even properly announce this at all, but they added a second version of Mario World. Like you know how they do like the SP editions um, that could be going to your Switch Online library. like special ones that are, Pre-made save files that dump you in certain parts or dump you at the end or whatever. They did it for Mario World. And it starts you in the post-game. You've beaten everything. You have access to everything, but it's in the fall version. So when you beat Mario World normally, you do the hardest level in the game, you know, the hardest set of levels. It's the um, funky stage, I think, is the last one. You like, run past all these coins, and it's like, you're a star player or whatever. And it's like this cool moment. And then they immediately dump you back at the start of the game, except everything's like, off kilter like it's 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 you know brown coloring because it's fall like koopas are wearing like mario masks like it's kind of like this weird like what if mario world was halloween but you don't really know it's gonna happen and you're in this mindset like oh i just beat the hardest thing in the game and then it's like surprise here's the super bizarro version you can now access that immediately which is kind of cool for people who didn't know it existed or have never gotten to it but also i feel like kind of pulls the rug out from like the weird like switcheroo it pulls on you but either way it's kind of cool that like it's there and is now like this easily accessible thing but anyway uh broader point here is various significance in timing and and uh or very varying degrees of significance and timing in terms of what nintendo it chooses to announce and when but nintendo doesn't and hasn't needed to outline a full year's lineup this far in advance ever, and yet here we are with basically the full year lineup. So, you know, if Zelda's not there, it's, 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 it's fine. There's not, there's so much else. So many other things. Um, and I think that's probably why, for me at least, when the other bad news shoe dropped that this year's digital E3 is cancelled, I was kind of just whatever about it. I mean, Summer Game Fest will still occur and Jeff Cayley's actually slimming it down to the just in June. It won't be a multi-month thing. He heard us, Kevin. He heard us. It's only, it's going to be short this time. Um, but yeah, Nintendo doesn't usually participate in Summer Game Fest. So I'm looking at this as like, well, Nintendo's going to likely do a direct in June regardless of how it's branded. And even if they didn't, we already know so much this year anyway. So like, it's like, in terms of bad news, this is like the, the easiest pill to swallow. I mean, what do you guys make of E3 being canceled this year in, in all forms?
1: Uh, I guess also a little just a tad surprised but not really um i think you more than anyone was kind of saying that the writing was on the wall it's only a matter of time so when it finally happened it was just more like uh like oh it finally happened (laughs) and that's pretty much it I I I i mean i guess i'm kind of glad i had the chance to at least go to it which probably makes it feel less of a not, not that big of a deal. If I hadn't ever gone to E3, I probably would have been like, oh man, there goes my chance, even if it probably wasn't going to be as great as like before.
0: it's stings less. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I should emphasize so previously, for those who haven't been following the saga of E3, um, right now it's canceled as E3 2022, the digital show. After in January, I believe they canceled the physical show. They claim, they claim it's coming back at some point. Um, I think on a broader level, though, outright canceling it in its entirety is just another nail in the coffin. Like, I, it's, you know, they, they claim they're doing the cancellation this year to focus on the physical digital show next year, but there were stories that came out of last year's digital only E3 that were, you know, they were charging publishers to be listed and to use the networking app and like, uh, frankly, if I'm, if I'm a publisher and I have access to my audience directly through social media, like why would I pay E3? What, what is the point of giving them money for what I could do on my own? And, and maybe smaller publishers have some benefit from that concept because they could get their name from more people. But if none of the big players participate because there's no benefit for them because they already have a way to cultivate their audience, then like the little guys don't get any benefit at that point either because no one's paying attention to E3. And this is especially true when Summer Game Fest is offering, as far as I'm aware, all the same um, organizing opportunities for no fee at all. It's just Jeff Keeley building his mega calendar that everyone sort of hooks into and his, I guess, opening night live or not opening night live, kickoff, whatever he calls it. Um, so, yeah, in a way, the way I kind of look at it is in terms of writing on the wall, it feels like with E3 giving up the digital event this year and letting Summer Game Fest kind of run the month of June instead now – They're kind of losing their foothold to be able to make June their own again in the future. You know, like other conventions can step in for demoing. Journalists can receive digital downloads of demos or attend small junkets. News can be handled through directs or similar videos. Like there's not... I feel like there was a legacy element to E3 where people rode with it because they didn't need to change their ways. Or if they did have to change their ways, it was collectively an effort within E3 where everyone collectively changed their ways. But Summer Game Fest is fully tagging in that collective spot where everyone sort of evolves together is now Summer Game Fest, not E3. And the, and the question in my mind becomes, does that mean that there is just no purpose for E3? Like, who is it for at that point? Cause everything else could be covered in other ways. So is it just like the name? And at that point, does anyone care if Summer Game Fest builds enough brand recognition in the three years it will be going by next year? Like, I don't know. It's a, it's a weird spot that the ESA put themselves in by kind of dragging their feet with E3 and Langev Jeff Keeley kind of rocket past them like that. So, but we'll see. I mean, from, from my personal perspective, yeah, I, I'd really miss E3. I mean, Angel, you are saying you would've been bummed if you never got to go. Um, I said it when they announced they were going digital a few months ago and I'll, I'll say it again now. I, I just love E3. I like spectacle. I like being in the center of all the Video game things, interacting with people from the industry, playing unreleased games, getting yeah, to come well, back and so share an those impressions. Degree, it is a, it is a problem. It is a serious problem. I am sick, but, uh, but this may be the cure. Maybe there's no more E3. But yeah, for me, for many years, when I was younger, I used to rely on reading and seeing videos of other people's experiences at E3 and reporting back and learning and kind of determine my own hype levels based on that. And to be on the other side of that equation and to get to sort of, as silly as it sounds like, payback the gaming community for providing that to me by now providing that to them it's 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 cool i'm gonna i'm gonna miss that um but i do yeah the writing's on the wall here and as every non-e3 comes and goes i think i'm slowly starting to accept that yeah that that thing that e3 it's done it's not coming back It, it was what it was it was great while it was everything's just shifted it's it's there's no that's it. It's it's probably gonna be done. They claim next year. We'll see next year, but I I think I think if it is next year, next year's the last year. Which is a bummer to say, but just, you know, reality of the situation. So do we have anything chipper happier, chippier to, to end with? Because that was the last thing I had on my list.
1: Jason, sometimes you just have to end on a on the low note, I mean...
0: We really curbed that enthusiasm. That's just,
1: yeah, that's just life sometimes, and sometimes life ain't all sunshine and rainbows.
0: Okay. Um. Well, we're going to leave everyone with that thought, I guess. Uh, it. it yeah. I feel like we're in a weird lull in the Nintendo news cycle right now. Like, this was definitely one of our shorter episodes in a long time. Um, and I think it's because, like... Well, right now we should have had Advance Wars, but for obvious reasons that got delayed. And Nintendo's probably whole marketing cadence was, you know, the drumbeat was kind of built around that. Which means in the next couple weeks, we should get that Indie World showcase. Because they usually do one around mid-April, uh, late March, mid-April. So somewhere in that window we should get it. Um, and then after that, switch sports, and then we kind of get going again. Um, so we should hopefully get some cool stuff in next episode to talk about. Uh, and I'm sure we'll have some games we'll be playing as well. Uh, But I guess the only way to really find out what and where and when we're going to get those things is to just tune in. So we'll be back on April 24th, and you can see what we're talking about there. You can subscribe to us on all the podcast apps, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Amazon Music, Spotify. We're on YouTube, RamTendo.com is the name. You can follow us on Twitter at RamNintendo. Individually, we're on Twitter. I am JSR7, Wero W-E-I-R-O underscore O. Kevin is KVN Gomi Um, and who knows maybe we even finally get to that random Nintendo, where we have a growing list of things we keep alluding to talking about that we need to talk about namely Elden Ring Um, but yeah I think that's about it Kevin do you do you have a final word or maybe multiple words uh crap
1: I don't know put Wordle on switch there we go
0: how would that work what do you mean how
1: would that work
0: how would that work how would you how would you, what do you mean, have to how like
1: that work? It's that work? It's no, it's legal, like, right? It's just
0: But how do you how do you let's say you want to play it on the T V How do you put a web browser on Switch? No, no, I'm saying you like on screen keyboard. What do you mean how does that work? Yeah, so you have to use a control stick and like move it around. When has that, and, that ever
1: stopped you putting it on your T V and and creating a login information for a Nintendo ID?
0: But 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 that's just or one, choosing a password. That's just one or two entry fields. This is six different words you have to keep adjusting. I don't know. It's so perfect. It's, to touch. it's it's thirty. <laughs> it's thirty at most. Not, not 30, even
1: thirty. It's twenty six.
0: No 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 six 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 layers of words. So mo- sure, so yeah, you're, you compound that. So six times twenty six or whatever. Yeah. I'm just you saying. All,
1: it's, it's it it's literally only. Yeah, thirty six. And chances are you're not even gonna be. Well, I mean, depending on how terrible at wordle you are.
0: I will say I usually land in four or five guesses. So I guess. Did you stop recording,
1: or am I just talking to the? Oh, I'm.
0: I'm still recording. I'm still recording. I'm still going. I'm still going. I'm still going, Kevin. We gotta hash this out. But no, yes. uh, More wordle for the world. I agree with that in in principle. Yeah, just put wordle on switch. Put quirl on there while you're at it too. And hurdle and hurdle. Hurdle's
1: alright.